remember so vividly as if it was yesterday. I was sitting on a edge overlooking the Indian Ocean and the moon, no joke, was setting on the side of the mountain while the sun was rising over the ocean on the opposite end in a distance. And I, for the first time, felt so grounded and so present and that all my worries had flown away and it just clicked that this was a path for me and a lifestyle for me. And that's when I became invested and started seeking more and more spiritual systems and modalities. Now let the magic begin. Hello and Jaima, Jaima Yomis. It's Raquel and welcome to Your Own Magic, a soul expanding and heart opening podcast. This episode is sponsored by Ritual, the multivitamin I'm currently taking that is vegan friendly and also was founded by a health and ingredient conscious woman and developed by Harvard trained physiologists and biochemists and registered dietitians. So more info on Ritual and my experience with it in the midst of the episode. And you can also find their offer for the Euromagic listeners in the show notes. Let's just jump right in. Today, it is time for another Q&A, which are my favorite solos to do. So everybody who submitted a question, thank you so much. And I picked out, I think, a, a dozen or more. And I have a feeling we're going to dive pretty deep, but there's always so much lightness as well to balance it out. And I curated these questions for the first part of the episode to dive more into spirituality. So those that asked a spiritually specific question, they'll be answered in the first part. And then the latter part will be more personal or on self-love or on love in general or about passionate pursuits. So let's dive in, shall we? And now, I believe it is time to let the magic begin with the solo episode. Alright, first question by Z Sania Rose. How have you been? Such an angel. Thank you. I figured this would be a nice starter question, you know, just break in how I'm feeling. I appreciate you caring about what's going on in my heart. Well, honestly, I'm doing very well these days. And I would say that 88% of the time I'm feeling very light and inspired and lifted or maybe even just at ease and calm and chill. And then the other 12% perhaps I might be triggered by some or just low because something has come to surface. Like on my 31st birthday on the 19th of August, I woke up with a very common experience that many humans experience known as the birthday blues. And I had an epiphany in that moment that it's it's only a feeling that is rising to the surface to flow through you as you are basically mourning an old self, mourning a death of a period of life or mourning a chapter, being fully written and it's time to move on to a new one. And before I celebrate that new one, I my body, my vessel just wants to 
cry some tears so I can let go of the old and that I need to sit there and actually experience this feeling for a bit. And when I woke up, I was very confused why I even felt any sort of blues because I usually wake up feeling pretty good and I know I felt a little apathetic about my birthday in the first place, but this was on another level and I am more than okay with it as I sat with it and I accepted that these feelings just wanted to rise to the surface and pass through. And guess what? That's exactly what they did. And when I received the insight, it's just because you are letting go of an old self and this is your final last hurrah with it you've let her go. That is when I felt a little sad, but then later on, after the feelings flowed through, I ended the night with pure joy and fun and had a great time. And so if you ever do experience birthday blues, sit with the feeling and see what maybe is coming up for you because it's such a common experience. But I think a lot of times we might punish ourselves for feeling this way when there's no need to punish yourself. Your feelings just want to express something to you and this is the body's languaging for you to hear if you do actually decide to sit and listen. And I do want to talk about this next question as I, I do feel that the key to my 88% of the time happiness or whatever more so, more than just like happiness and rainbows and sunshine, I didn't just feeling very chill and light and at ease. But this was a great question that I wanted to dive into. And I might have a lengthy answer because this is something I'm very passionate about. And this question was from at Health Accomplice, who asks, how do you ground yourself? And because of your username, Health Accomplice, I have a feeling, an inkling of a feeling, you likely have your own little practices and tools and you're just curious how I personally do. And I will share that, but I want to dive into this topic of grounding because again, it's something that I'm very, that I'm deeply passionate about as I think that this is my, this is my spiritual practice in a sense. So this is how I see grounding or how my perspective of grounding is, is that if our consciousness exists on all dimensions, when we ground ourselves, we are fully connecting to this physical dimension and mounting in, rooting in with the frequency of the earth and the present moment and our physical existence and what is physically around us. And so when we are grounded, you get a great sense of here. You're here you're steady, you're safe, you're clear, you're centered, you're here. This more so has to do with conscious grounding, bringing yourself consciously to the present moment and grounding within, rooting within. And I'm sure if you feel, or I only can assume if you feel unsafe in your body, depending on the trauma that you've been through in your past or your programming. This was my issue for a long time is that I had a certain wiring and programming and trauma in my body that I never felt fully grounded. 
even in a practice because those were clinging on to me, those energies and those experiences and feelings. And through shadow work and other ways of releasing these energetic bodies, of course, I was able to let that go. But I think grounding also chopped away at those energies. And I think it was chipping away because when I was grounding, it pulled me out of that suffering and not in a bypassed way, but as if nothing mattered because I'm here. And therefore, whether we're consciously or (laughs) unconsciously grounding, it's simply a way to help alleviate stress or anxiety or anger or confusion or sadness or whatever might stir up within you whenever you're triggered. And of course, help be more present, which in turn helps you gain clarity on whatever it is you might be going through or you recognize the present of the present and what you did care about doesn't matter like it did. So my top tip with grounding is to walk barefoot on the earth as Mama Earth. She maintains these negative ions on her surface, allowing you to discharge positive ions. Therefore, you find a natural equilibrium throughout the body. In that moment, allow yourself to be present with the presence. Allow yourself to be present with this moment. That is my number one go-to, especially when stuff really hits the fan. It's so calming to consciously sit there and feel Mama Earth against the soles of your feet and just be. And so some also call this practice uh, not only grounding, but also earthing. So sometimes I'm in the mood to go earth. I do feel better whenever I do. And there are so many more benefits to earthing. But also another way, and this is an obvious one, but I'm going to share it regardless, is a grounding meditation or a present meditation, which you can find several online. And then I also have some on the Euro and Magic membership site, or there's some on Headspace who sponsors this podcast. Not this episode, but the podcast. And I know that they have a special free one month trial for the Euro Magic listeners when you go to headspace.com magic. Or if you want to try it on your own, which I highly recommend. It's simple. I recommend slowly scanning your body from the soles of your feet and work your way up to the top of your head and feel you connected from the ground from mama earth all the way up into the sky the universe the stars and be present with this feeling that surrounds you and the feeling that's within you or another present meditation is to acknowledge each of your senses so what do you see while your eyes are open and then close your eyes and what do you hear and smell and taste and feel and work with your senses slowly and mindfully and see what comes up for you especially when you tap into feel and then maybe you'll also ask how you feel inside not only what you feel outside physically or Honestly, to make this super easy, if you have a beautiful view or you know where a beautiful view is where you can just stare and get lost in looking at the view, that's a very easy way. And if your mind begins to wander in any of these moments, simply just catch it wandering. It's no big deal whatsoever. My mind will wander and I've been meditating for so long now. (laughs) And the practice is to catch those thoughts and just bring it back to the present. One thing that came to mind as well 
is that have you ever heard your grandpa or your grandma or parents hum out of nowhere? Maybe they don't have like a spiritual or mindful practice, but they just seem to hum. I've learned that they do that and they might not even realize why they're doing it, but it's to alleviate some sort of tension or stress. And it's also another way to ground. There are humming meditations as well. Like when I was in meditation teacher training, they had us do this humming exercise. When you're grounding and you hum, maybe you're even earthing and you're outside and you just begin to hum, specifically a deep hum, as I think it's closer to the root chakra frequency or the earth's frequency. When you do a deep hum slowly at your own pace, however you want to. It's also very grounding. And I'm assuming that maybe you're even releasing some stuck energy. Speaking of root chakra, there's also root chakra meditations that people practice. Or, I mean, I used to listen to root chakra meditations on YouTube, I remember. And so focusing on your root chakra, which is located at the base of the spine, this area provides you with the foundation for life and it helps you ground and find a sense of security and stability and feel more able to withstand challenges because you're standing in your ground. And so when you focus on this space and the surface below you and place your attention there, perhaps even picture the soles of your feet growing roots into the ground. And that can be really grounding, especially if you're a visual person. I mean, while we're on the topic of root chakras, what about singing bowls, Tibetan bowls, crystal bowls, alchemy bowls? These admit a certain sound, a frequency that soothes the soul, that grounds you. And there's also binaural beats or songs that are dedicated to grounding specifically and so you can of course find that on youtube and spotify easily as well i like to listen to this kind of music if i'm taking a bath which a bath is another way to ground if you take baths especially with some sort of salt and maybe essential oils perhaps some healing crystals as well this is another simple grounding practice submerging your body in any water to be honest calmly and relaxed is very grounding and the crystals if you want grounding crystals that are around you well to be honest any crystal is grounding as this is already a piece from mama earth herself and emits a frequency from mama earth and therefore they're naturally all of them naturally grounding well i guess some supposedly spark up energy or whatever but what i've learned is if you want a crystal specific for grounding reach for more black or red toned crystals or stones like black tourmaline or hematite onyx smoky quartz black opal red jasper ruby red coral again Crystals with red or black tones often hold a frequency that is grounding. And then also certain scents are very grounding. Many with earthy, woody aromas like sandalwood or cedar or patchouli or oak moss. And then of course there's even floral or plant aromas as those come from earth like Lavender, ooh, even live flowers, even live flowers smelling, and live plants, smelling them are very grounding. 
and it's honestly whatever you like that makes you feel connected and safe and like you. And also mindfully eating root vegetables or anything that grows from the earth. (laughs) That is another way to ground yourself more as you connect with earth's frequency by consuming earth foods. And then also exercise, I think, is a great way after exercise, especially as it allows you to focus on this physical dimension. You may feel more connected with yourself because we tend to forget that our physical existence, this body, is a key part, an integral part of our spiritual experience. And so, therefore, how do I ground is such a great question as it's for me personally, and I'm assuming most every human, if I don't ground... I feel so ungrounded and disconnected and lost and I can easily fall into old patterns that don't serve me. And so it's very important for me at least to be conscious about it and I have to make the choice to. It's not like I'm a robot and I automatically do this day to day, especially somebody that's not a routine type of person. I tend to go with the flow so I have to consciously choose. And that's another thing as well. I noticed that when I do have a routine in the morning, I do feel more grounded throughout the day or more focused. I know, which is surprisingly not that easy for me to do, but I do, but I do always feel lighted and excited to take moments to ground. And in fact, since I'm also not dogmatic about spirituality, because I don't see spirituality as like a religion, it's all personal and what we choose, what we want to do with it, and also the practice of non-judgment, letting people practice their spirituality the way they want to without judgment, because that's what works for them. And as long as we're not harming anybody or misleading others, I think that it's important to find what really works for you and stick with that. So grounding, this is truly the main key to remaining dedicated to my spiritual practice, which is a question by radrac underscore. Who asks, how do you remain dedicated to your spiritual practice? Well, like I said, grounding is my main thing, I believe. But I do also, of course, have a variety of systems I like to explore and a variety of other practices that I like to explore. I just always, grounding is my go-to. But I do pray as well. If one doesn't feel, by the way, like praying, I want to say this, and that's perfectly fine. Again, I'm not dogmatic about spirituality whatsoever. I even know spiritualists, believe it or not, that are not really that into meditating. They might be more into breath work or microdosing, or maybe it's tarot cards. Everybody has their own different way of what makes them feel connected, and I think that that's what we all must strive for and to not to not put pressure or judgment on how people should practice because that's basically falling into a religious structure for my spiritual practice I ground and I do pray and meditate and then on the side try out some other things for fun but for me this is a quote by Dr. Wayne Dyer who by the way passed away six years ago on the day this episode is released so if you're listening to this on August 30th Six years ago to this day, Dr. Wayne Dyer passed away. And also online, I noticed that it says August 29th, but his daughters Sage and Serena said on the podcast, on this podcast, when they were on about a month or two ago, they said that it was August 30th, 2015. So anyway, like Dr. Wayne Dyer said, if prayer is 
you talking to God. The meditation is God talking back to you. Beautiful. <laughs> and there is a question later that I can't wait to answer when it comes to the G word, because it does trigger some people if they come from a religious background. And I definitely want to dive into that. But to continue on with remaining dedicated to my practice, I'm not a perfect human and I have fallen off the wagon from time to time, but what keeps me going back is just because I'm so trusting and aware of the feeling I have when I am grounding myself, when I'm praying, when I'm meditating, when I'm even writing is a big part of my spiritual practice. And if I don't do those four things, I do tend to feel disconnected from myself. That's why I choose to remain dedicated to my practice. And it's truly a choice. Also, listening to music that soothes my soul is another one. And also, this podcast and connecting with guests where we dive deep for about an hour at a time keeps me connected, helps me remain dedicated. It holds me accountable in a sense. But I always have to bring it back to I am practicing spirituality for me and not for others. But in turn, it does help others or I can share it to inspire others. But I don't do it for anybody else but myself. And I think that that's something as well to keep in mind because you simply are choosing you. Because doing these practices are always a choice. And you might fall off on occasion and that's okay. But choose you and choose to come back to the spiritual practices that work best for you. And that's, that's a simple answer. How do you remain dedicated to your spiritual practice? Because I'm aware what happens when I'm not. And therefore, I simply choose to. And choice, choosing, that is the key word. You get to choose every single day. You have the free will. You have the choice. And no one can take that from you. I love a natural look with some shimmer. I love that lightly soft contour, but add, of course, some shimmer and some blush, some highlighter, a whisk of eyeliner on the outer edges, and, of course, a strong lengthening mascara that does not clump or flake. That's basically the look I usually go for. So whether you like a more natural look or full glam or somewhere in between, you'd love Thrive Cosmetics because you're not only getting quality cosmetics, but you're also contributing to a good cause. And you also might already know of them as they have a pretty viral, vibrant turquoise tube on social media for their mascara. And it is a game changer. It is. I'm so happy that Thrive Cosmetics is not just stunning, but also 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And it's packed with clean, skin-loving ingredients. Their high-performance formula set the bar high with uncompromising standards. So no wonder their bestsellers boast thousands of glowing five-star reviews. And what also makes them even more special is that every purchase with Thrive Cosmetics contributes to making communities thrive. Hence the name. I mean, it's also spelled C-A-U-S-E Medics. Thrive Cosmetics. So it's not just about beauty. I mean, they're truly about giving back. So with your support, they donate products and funds to support communities in need through responsive giving. That's why they've been my beauty obsession since 2020. I've been using their Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara since 2020. I mean, this is a magical mascara that lasts all day without a hint of clumping or smudging or flaking. And removal is a breeze as all I needed 
is warm water and a washcloth. Pretty simple. And also here's the best part. The nourishing ingredients in this flake-free tubing formula not only gives you the length and definition that you crave, but also it supports longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It's a love story for your lashes. So Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash magic. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash magic for 20% off your first order. Okay. Oh, the next question is that God question I wanted to answer. Great. Okay. So this is from Dead Flower Persona. Growing up Mormon, I feel very triggered by the G word. How do you transmute this block? Ugh, I love this question and I totally understand that feeling of being triggered by the G word as I used to be, and I don't even know if I really, I think I always referred to source as the universe or higher power on the podcast for the first year and a half or two and then I was able to redefine it. I could be wrong. There might be a time I said God, but I know that there was a period of time where I would not use the G word because it triggered me until I redefined it. And I also assume that when you say G word and you also said that you're a girl, you grew up Mormon, which same. And I'm assuming you're not talking about the golden plates or garments, which you know what I'm talking about, but you're, I'm assuming talking about God and I understand that perhaps that word you don't connect with and may even, you might even feel rejected by that word or abused by that word. There's a lot of traumatic experiences that come from leaving a church with strong conformity. And there's other words that might trigger you as well coming from that specific church. But no matter what church you went to, I know that there's many Christians as well that are very triggered by the G word, God. And I didn't intentionally transmute this block, but looking back on it, it was transmuted when I redefined what that meant for me. And we all, those of us, those of you listening to this podcast may interpret God the same way or at least very similar as I do. And if you are religious, you probably don't, but I don't feel connected with God being this man in the sky who gets to decide our worth of whether we're a good person or a bad person. I think we're all love and we're all good, even though the human can do some pretty bad things. And there's a lot of complexities there. But at the core of us, we're good. And this is not me preaching to you how to see God because this is your own journey and you may connect with this, you may not. But when I pray and I pray to God, I do pray to my higher self, a higher power, the universe. It all feels the same in my opinion as I see God as the very first source, the highest level of consciousness. As everything started with consciousness, which we just happen to be a form of this consciousness. And if all things started from this consciousness, which the highest level of consciousness is God, the best way, the easiest way for us to tap into that is through praying or meditating or breath work and other practices 
to tap into this consciousness, which I don't see as a male or female or even any sort of human entity whatsoever. It's just source, God, all that is, that we're all connected to. And I've also talked about the law of one, which also somewhat explains that or makes sense of it. And of course, there are more layers to this consciousness. I think that there are layers in the non-physical dimensions that we're still connected to and maybe those other forms, those other layers of consciousness that we're more directly, our physical self is more directly connected with. Some might call the Holy Ghost or angels or guides or a higher power as well. I, I, I honestly refer to it as everything, not the Holy Ghost, but angels or guides. And I used to see it as like a human-like figure. And now I do just see it as potentially that, but a higher form than what my physical body is capable of at this time. And just tapped into that conscious field. And so that's how I see God. That's how I've redefined God. And that's what resonates with me. But this is always evolving as well. And we're always evolving and we always continue to learn more. So that may change as well as my definition continues to evolve when it comes to God and angels and and everything else in this expansive and complex universe. And so, dead flower persona, if you want to transmute this block, perhaps continue to meditate and feel and ask, what God really means, and I have a feeling you'll end up receiving some sort of answer. But be careful of listening to, even myself right there, listening to others because there's so much information out there and I've had to refrain and stop myself from listening to people channeling their own information as I've noticed some things can get a little off or dangerous and so to be careful of that and just to tune in with what you hear and feels right for you. Basically what I'm saying is if somebody says that they know it all, be careful. (laughs) Be very careful. Spiritualists are some of the most vulnerable people because we're so open and people take advantage of that. And so be careful who you listen to and just listen to what's within you. All right, I'm going to do one more spiritually focused question. And this one I received from two of you, Emily W. Leah E and life underscore with underscore sav 11. You both asked at the same time, so you must be dancing on the same wave or something because they came in at the exact same time, which I thought was interesting, and I remember that happening. But anyway, I love this question, and I'm going to answer it briefly because I've answered it before many times, but how did you start your spiritual journey? Well, when I started getting into health and fitness after living a very unhealthy lifestyle for such a long time, I was, you know drinking all the time, ate fast food all the time. And you know, I'm not criticizing anybody's diet. If you eat fast food, that is your choice. But I don't really eat fast food. And oh, my favorite, my favorite was having an entire Little Caesars pizza. Do you know how big those are? The $5 pizzas all to myself with some breadsticks on the side and I'd get extra ranch and marinara and go to town and yes I would eat the whole thing plus the breadsticks plus a extra large coke and you know my body was not a fan of that I had a I had a lot of health issues and therefore I felt like I needed to get healthier 
you know? And so then I started learning about health and treating my body well, which organically led me to seek more ways to feel better once I started to feel really good. And then I took a yoga class, which I absolutely hated every minute of it until the very end, Shavasana. I never felt so good and light and connected to my spirit. That was my first time in a long time to connect with my soul. It was emotional, very emotional, but it was so beautiful and profound in my life that I did a complete 180 and went full force on yoga and quit my job even. I had a great job, by the way, that I got through my alma mater, USC. A great job. In fact, a lot of the employees of that job still work there because it's, it was such a great job. But, but I just knew that I wanted to be a yoga teacher. So I quit my job, left California, moved to Bali. Oh, no, I didn't move to Bali yet, but I did go to Bali for yoga teacher training where I really started learning about spirituality there. I didn't even realize what I would end up learning there. And I never felt so excited about learning about something in a long time, even though I just graduated from the university. And so that's when I felt a spark, a passion within me. And I remember so vividly as if it was yesterday, I was sitting on a edge overlooking the Indian Ocean and the moon, no joke, was setting on the side of the mountain while the sun was rising over the ocean on the opposite end in a distance. And I, for the first time, felt so grounded and so present and that all my worries had flown away. And it just clicked that this was a path for me and a lifestyle for me. And that's when I became invested and started seeking more and more spiritual systems and modalities. And now I'm here and it feels really good still. <laughs> and so that is my spiritual journey. That's how my spiritual journey started. And that was the short version, believe it or not. <laughs> okay, I think that that covers the spiritual portion of this. And so, like I said, the remainder will likely have spiritual undertones. But I just wanted to pick a handful of questions about other topics as well. For example, this question by Mary Ammon Earth, who asks, How's your acting journey going? Have you moved to LA? How has that been? <laughs> so sweet of you to be curious about that, Mary. <laughs> I have not moved to LA yet because of the state of the world right now. I want more things to calm down and more clarity before moving forward, but I'm not going to wait forever. So if I have to just get up and go, I will, but I'm waiting a little longer. Otherwise I would already be there. So when it feels right, I'm there. I'm not worried. I'm trusting the process and it's going to flow with ease whenever it's the path of least resistance. And the acting journey is so fun. I'm about to start group classes over Zoom. I'm so thankful LA acting schools offer that online. Some of them are only doing online classes right now, which of course is a bummer. It's so much more fun to connect with actors in person, but um, I'm happy that I get to be wherever and still take classes. For me, that's a blessing. <laughs> and also, because I don't care too much to rely on a casting couch, I've been writing my own scripts for fun. I even bought Final Draft. You know, it's what I do, honestly, most of my days now. Another grounding practice, in a sense, because I just 
get to tap into the stream of consciousness of creativity and it's been one of the most rewarding feelings. I even wonder sometimes, I'm like, do I like script writing more than I like acting? Because it's so fun. And another thing that I used to love to do as a little girl, as a little theater kid, I also really like to write my own plays or movie scripts. And I don't know if I've shared this, I might have, but when I was eight, I wrote my first full feature, which I'm sure was not the best, but <laughs> I I loved it. And it was called The Ghost of the Piano. And I wanted my cousins to play my sisters and Britney Spears to play my mom. So I wrote Britney a letter and then found her fan mail address on the back of her first CD. So this was before Oops, I Did It Again even came out. And so I sent it off. I sent it to her fan mail. I remember checking the mail about every day for a while until I realized, sorry, bud. <laughs> she probably never even saw it, but I think, yeah, I think I told the story before, but it's cute and I wanna make that little girl proud. So writing scripts is super fun for my human and a new passion, which, leads into the next question by Leilani with three eyes. <laughs> How to find your passion? Another question I just love and I believe that there are many ways we can find our passions or our passions sometimes just find us. For example, like I shared with my story with my spiritual journey and how I recognized it as a new passion. I thought it was going to be health and then I thought it was going to be yoga focus and suddenly it's just overall spirituality and I took risks and I took leaps of faith and found that instead of becoming a yoga teacher that I just was meant to discover and explore my love for spirituality and now with acting and screenwriting I mean these were hobbies that I had as a child that I felt a strong desire and curious spark to go back to I want to emphasize that it's so normal to not have a passion. I mean, supposedly, most people don't have passions, I learned. Or they don't recognize their passions because they don't recognize it as one. Uh, and it could also be because we seem to romanticize passion, as in there are people that are extremists and they love their passion so much that's all they talk about or research about or act on or even sometimes make money from but the reality is that's not most people's case and that is okay and so I want to tell the hearts who are struggling with finding their passion that I have a feeling you do have a passion but it's to begin to own it and honor it I mean going from spirituality for me back to acting and screenwriting such a weird leap. People are probably confused and scratching their heads, but this is my life and I've just got to own it and honor what I love and what I want to do. And so sometimes we also just need to admit to ourselves what we really love or like. Let go of the stories or the old programming that what we love and like is not something honorable or admirable or something that we should be passionate about because that's not true. If you're a human's passionate about something, that might be leading you somewhere beyond your wildest dreams. When I say passionate, I mean just like something or love something. And so I want to emphasize, I think, eliminating the egoic thought behind things that you may actually like. For example, you may feel guilty or embarrassed about liking a certain 
book series, but you're obsessed. Or maybe it's cosplayer. Maybe it's, which, why would anybody be embarrassed about that? That's awesome. Or maybe it's vampires, another amazing thing. You know, there's so many interesting, unique things that people feel like they like it, but they can't be passionate about it because they won't make money off of it. Or they're going to be judged by liking it. And perhaps you'll be judged. I mean, but I've, I've been judged a million times with this podcast. And, and I don't care because this is nourishing for my soul. So this makes me ask you, what do you truly like or love? And is it possible that you're not pursuing it because of some sort of programming or expectation or maybe even a barrier like a financial barrier or a lack of resources barrier or just simply your own mental barrier because it's scary to pursue. And so that's if you kind of know in your mind what you like but you're just not pursuing to look at that. But if you straight up have no passions whatsoever, then I want to ask you this, or more so prescribe this for you. Here's a little prescription. (laughs) List things that you like and then write down a list of why you haven't spent more time working on this or learning from this or pursuing this or why you think this is a silly thing to be passionate about and be totally honest. So you can be so general as well. Like, what are things that you like? Maybe it's healthy food, animals, books, interior decor. Maybe it's junk food. Maybe it's planning things. So let go of the idea that what you write down has to be a career because this is only going to be just a passion in your life. And then from there, maybe if this is something, if you want to find a passion you can make money off of, look at your lists and, for example, on the side of books, write down careers involving books that you can look into, like book publisher or a librarian, or maybe you want to integrate that with coffee table books and photography. And if writing down what you like is not something you're into or you write things down, you're like, but there's nothing I want to really pursue with these. I just happen to like these. Or if you just want to become more passionate about books, maybe set a little challenge for yourself to read, you know, four books a month, one book a week, and or two books a month, and write down 30 different books that you're interested in reading and set a goal of when you're going to read them all by, or find a book club near you and connect with other bookworms like yourself. That's when you can really find your passion is when you decide to set more time for that thing. And then maybe from that, you might be inspired toward a certain career. And if not, and if it's just a hobby, it's just an interest, that's beautiful too. But I know that there are things that you like, so write those down. And then maybe there's something from that that you can get a little excited about and spend more time doing and make a goal for yourself to spend more time doing that thing because you do have passions 100% and this is very practical grounded advice and on another level I realized that I had so much love for spirituality as well while I was meditating (laughs) but I saw myself in my meditation doing something similar to this and so like the Dwayne Wire quote you pray to speak to God but when you meditate God speaks to you so perhaps meditate and maybe you'll find an answer 
that way as well. Enter your meditation with no expectations, but being open to limitlessness. And you might have the mind or the ego smack those ideas down because of societal programming. Like for example, I wanna get back into acting and screenwriting, but it's like, I'm 31. I'm so old, right? (laughs) But no, I think that that's just a silly mental block that I had to shut down and pursue regardless. And so your mind's going to come up with creative ways to make you feel like you can't pursue it. And in meditation, what a perfect time to allow those thoughts to go away, to float away, and continue to open up to limitlessness. So I hope that this was practical for you and that you happen to find your passion soon. And so don't give up on this. Don't don't give up. Okay, this next one. <laughs> oh, dear. From Maya Sutt. How do you know if they're the one? Oh my, heck if I know. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm going to actually answer this from my heart. And does this mean I fully know? Absolutely not. This is not my wheelhouse or department, but I do want to share how I feel about this more so than answer it. But I'll just let you know how I feel about this question. So I've indeed had my quote-unquote the ones in my life, but, you know, I realized that they were the ones for the moment. And I'd love to give a romantic response on soulmates and twin flames like I used to fully believe, but I'll be brutally honest, which I do, I do honestly do believe in soulmates. I am in a season where I'm a little meh, I don't know about the twin flame thing anymore. (laughs) It's funny how we evolve in our spiritual journey. And I might come back and fully believe in twin flames again. I don't know, but I've seen too many people claim to be twin flames and then they break up eventually. It could be a year later, it could be months later, but they break up. And so it makes me think, okay, were they twin flames or were they just, did they just have a strong attraction to each other and there were a lot of synchronistic plays and they're like-minded and they see the world this way so they call themselves twin flames. Or perhaps are they twin flames but they broke up for a period of time for their own self-growth and inevitably will get back together. I, I, I just, I question the twin flames thing. It doesn't mean I'm shutting it down, but I just want to share how I feel about it. And I know that there's many different definitions for twin flames, but I'm talking about the definition that you meet your actual, the person that you had a soul contract with to fall in love with here. And not only that, no, you share a soul with this person, even though you are two separate physical beings. You're one soul split into two bodies. That's the definition that I'm talking about. And if the law of one is a thing, then in a sense, we're all one soul, right? But I'm not, I'm not crazy about this idea. And you let me disagree with me and that's perfectly fine. I won't be talking about twin flames because you're talking about the one. I just was mentioning how there is such a, there's an intensity to this twin flame spark which is very similar to the intensity of this is the one spark. And that intensity only magnifies not the truth of the relationship, but what people might want it to be, even if it fades. It's like, do you still feel like this is true? So, therefore, 
I also, I, I honestly don't believe there is the one. I don't. But I do believe, this is what I do believe. I do believe that there are several great partner potentials out there for you. There are several soulmates out there for you, as in these are mates for your soul, for your soul's growth, for a period of time. I even call my friends soulmates. But when it comes to that partner, the one, though I think that this person is someone you know you want to choose and they're choosing you. And I think that is the most romantic thing there is, is that we all have a plethora of options out there, yet I choose you and you choose me. I thought my ex-fiance was the one for me, but I realized that he was the one for me in that moment, but people change and evolve. And though I still love him as a person, I'm aware that he was only the one for me in the moment. In that moment, in that six-year period, five-year period. And my next, the one, is on his way. And hopefully he's the one that does last for the remainder of this human experience. But, But I won't be attached to him or the idea that this is the one. And there's the kicker right there. I think that placing this label that this person is the one, especially if you've only been together for a few months, even a couple years, when you place this attachment that this person is the one, then what happens when you lose them? You're only going to create more pain for yourself and potentially for the other person. And so instead of placing such a heavy weight with an intensity to that labeling, think of them as the one for you, that you chose them because you see them, you love them, you honor them. You are happy around them. And even if you get upset around them, you always come back and you're just so authentic and true with each other. And there are other people that you could have that with too, but you're choosing them and vice versa. They are choosing you. They love you. They see you for all you are. You are happy and in love. And even if... You annoy them or you make them upset at times. They still can see beyond all of it and want you around regardless because they choose you. And isn't that more romantic? I personally think that is, that you're simply continuing to make the choice that you are choosing them and they are choosing you, even though there are other options out there. And also that way, if it ends, you don't hold on to that traumatic loss of losing your twin flame who supposedly shares a soul with you. And also you're not losing the traumatic loss of the one because that was the only one person for you. So I know that this might have caught many of you left field because you probably assume that I would believe in the one or a twin flame like the majority of the spiritual community but this but I think it's okay to have different beliefs and perspectives and this is truly how I see it I think it's beautiful to not have the one but to choose the one of many and vice versa and isn't it so wild to think like I I'm single I'm dating right now but I'm not with somebody in particular and so it's so weird for me to think that my 
next person that I do decide to commit to, my next, the one, the one that I choose and they choose me, that they're just living their life right now and we might not have even crossed paths yet. They might be on the other side of the world. They might be down the street. I don't know. It's so wild to think, but I'm excited to choose them. And so if you think that this person is worth choosing and they chose you and they see you and they honor you for you, then yeah, I think that they're the one for hopefully the remainder of your human experience. Ooh, now this is a question I'm excited to chat about. How to move on from someone you loved. This is from Hafsa underscore K06. So first, I honestly think that the greatest thing that you can do is focus on you, (laughs) boo-boo. The number one thing. And again, I'm going to approach this with a grounded perspective. So it's so important for your own self-care and healing to focus on you. But to also go through the motions, the emotions of whatever it is you're experiencing and allow the feelings to surface as they flow through you and out of you. You're likely to experience the five stages of grief. And I don't care how long or how short of time you have been together. And I don't care if you were the break or you were the break It's still painful. It's still something, a loss to grieve. I experienced this with my ex-fiance and you have to work through the motions and experience the five stages of grief fully, which are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. So in the denial phase, though you may not be fully denying it, I think that that's a good time to write about it or speak out loud about it. But to not spend too long at that stage and allow yourself to feel the anger and the pain and move on to that second stage. Because I think that the second stage is going to be one of the most transformative stages to healing by fully feeling it. You can do some breath work and let go of extra energetic blocks that are within you or yell and scream in your room or in a pillow about everything or just cry like you've never cried before. When you start feeling yourself bargaining or thinking of ways that you are res- could restore the relationship, I mean, every circumstance is different, so you know what's best for you there. But when you do start getting into that bargaining stage, instead of succumbing to that, notice when you want to do that and bargain with yourself by reminding yourself like no no you're not going to do that because you know your worth you know your value you know you're a queen or king or however you feel most empowered and remember why it's been done and why it needs to remain that way and continue going back to that why so instead of bargaining how to get the person back or restore the relationship or make it a friendship bargain with yourself By reminding yourself you're worth, you're worth, you're worth. (laughs) And then you might hit the depression stage or you're just super sad. And that is the time for, I mean, spiritual practices are going to be your best friend, your best tools, your best resources. And it's a time for reflection and also relying on support and help. Feel free to go to the Your Own Magic group and talk about your heartbreak and how you're feeling. And I'm sure that there's going to be 
a few yomis, if not a whole bunch of yomis in there sharing support and lending their heart and their hand virtually. <laughs> so this is when you stop fantasizing about them. You might have to consciously stop fantasizing about them. Also, journal is a big one, or you can even alchemize that energy that you're feeling into some sort of art form, whether you consider yourself an artist or not. And that is a very healing way to transmute the heartbreak into a patched up heart that feels ready to take on the world. And finally, feel acceptance, which acceptance is inevitable and acceptance will only come faster the more you allow yourself to feel and express yourself. Maybe the pain isn't even fully gone, but but you've accepted that it's done. It's over. It's fully over. You finally have accepted this and come to terms with it. And that is so powerful. And I'm so proud of you for finally coming to terms with that. Because even if you don't right now, you will. So especially when you're next the one, the next person, the next person will be more in alignment with who you are now as we're always evolving and maybe this person will be evolving more rapidly with you as well and you'll be so thankful you'll be so thankful so try not to find your what do they call them the backup person what do they call those people that people date right after a breakup a rebound a rebound yes i don't recommend a rebound <laughs> Because you'll end up breaking their heart. I'm not going to lie. That's what I did. And I end up breaking his poor heart. And I still feel bad about that. So I don't recommend that. And this was well before I got into my spiritual journey, guys. Okay? <laughs> Cut me some slack. <laughs> anyway, I, I want to also share this as well. Even though this is trite, this is so, so, so true. As the saying goes, time really does heal all wounds. And though it sucks right now, remember, continue to remember and remind yourself that in time you will come to acceptance and you will heal from this wound. You will. You will. So my heart goes out to you. It's always so hard to move on from someone you loved. Also, don't pay attention to their social media. You don't want to see them with another person. You don't. Don't. You just, just make sure to remove whatever reminds you of them out of your life. And that helps a lot as well. All right, now this question, Carla Elm underscore. She says, so many questions. How did you learn to love and accept yourself? Ooh, thank you for this cue, Carla. And this is the one key to wholeness that we all seek, right? Even though many of us were taught that self-love and accepting yourself and choosing yourself and choosing you is selfish and conceited. Psh, we are all past that and we're all for self-love, pro-self-love now. And I wanted, I just want everyone to know that I don't think that there's one person in their 20s or even 30s, definitely not late teens, that fully experience self-love 24-7. You have your doubts and you have your challenges. But the beauty of all of that is, is that that contrast allows you to learn and grow and flourish and tap more into your self-love. I've never loved myself more than I do now because I've come to more self-acceptance of who I am. And 
I feel more grounded and rooted in who I am and what I believe. And I'm becoming more open to speaking about that too, no matter the cost. And I think that that's a part of self-love is being so authentic with how you feel and your messaging. And so I think that even though there are so many people, most people, like I said, in their 20s or even 30s, that don't fully have self-love, what they do have still are practices in place as they know that this is the apex of our human journey. And when we love and accept ourselves, life does seem to flow with more grace and ease. And it feels as though there's more love that surrounds you as well, more love with the people you meet. So yeah, I just wanted to emphasize something that I realized. I think that practicing self-love is practicing first self-compassion so when something you feel like goes awry something feels off to not judge it to not judge you to still show up authentically you and and find that space in your heart that feels like an angel wing is wrapped around you because you are worthy you are loved and there's nothing wrong with you and then How I learned to love myself and accept myself was through a lot of, to be honest, fails, failing forward, through a lot of cringy mess-ups in my life, through a lot of challenges I had to face, and finally finding freedom with many things that I used to have issues with. Something from as simple as food to my body image or my mental state, and finally accepting my human for being human and that it's okay. And also being very conscious because treating others unkind is such a powerful karmic energy. And I know for a fact that when you are more loving and accepting of thy neighbor, it does flow back to you. And and forgive yourself for what you have done in the past. I've had to forgive myself of many crazy things. And also forgive others for what they've done. Like (laughs) some people are surprised with certain people that I'm still happy to talk to because I fully, I I simply just let it go. There's no need to hold on to grudges. I think holding on to grudges, you're really just dishonoring yourself as well. So there's no specific self-love practice that I do daily, but if I do want to give myself some more love or I'm feeling a little off. I do turn to, as cheesy as they are, some affirmations and mantras. As those are words are so powerful, and what we tell ourselves really does take on a, in physical form as our subconscious might believe what it is we say. And so, to remind yourself, your soul, even if you don't fully, your human doesn't fully believe it in the moment, say it anyways. I am worthy. I accept all of me with love. I deserve to be happy. I am perfect in my own way or I am perfectly imperfect. And I love that about me. (laughs) And I believe in myself. I am enough. Whatever self-loving affirmation best resonates with you. As I know you've heard that before, but it really does end up sinking in and you feel it. All right, I think I'll just do one last question. This one wanted to remain anonymous, but I thought it was an interesting one. Where do you think humanity is headed and what do you see for the near future? (laughs) 
Well, um, I could play the pessimist right now, the pessimist card, and say that we're headed towards dystopia and there's no hope for humanity <laughs> or Earth, so don't have children. I'm <laughs> just kidding. But I don't see it like that. I... I am a blind optimist, and yeah, maybe in the future we might face another lockdown. We might have another variant, another mutation of COVID. We might have, you know, something that humans can't be protected by, or if they get it, it's they're done for. You know, there might be that in the future, and I know that a lot of people, scientists or whatever, see that. But for humanity, I think think when there are people that are taking steps back, more people are stepping forward. For a small example is my old church, the Mormon church, the one of the leaders of the LDS church. I, I should say LDS because I don't think that they like to be called Mormon anymore. So LDS church, Elder Holland gave a talk and it was really disheartening. I'm not going to spill about it, but it was pretty homophobic and misogynistic and it just doesn't make sense that our world is still like that. But there are people like that. And I realized, though, he made that message. I think that most people got so loud about it to remind those that they are loved. So maybe this needed to happen so those that were questioning themselves and whether or not they should live because of their sexual preference, when they realized that they actually were surrounded by love and people disagreed with him, that probably brought a lot of lightness into their heart. And so I think that we will see some, I'm not calling him a dark entity or anything, but I think that he is programmed by his culture. And I'm very familiar with how that culture thinks and how that culture programs people from a young age. And he's an old man and it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, they say, right? But most people see beyond that. And I'm sure he's received a lot of backlash, but I do think that human rights and what's right is going to continue to thrive and overpower what is not of the light. And there are a lot of things and a lot of information these days in the guise of light and make people feel wound up and they believe the rhetoric that certain things are infringing on their life. But I ultimately do believe that if you lean left or right or you're totally moderate in the middle, that truth will unveil and that's going to bring a lot of peace and ease, even if it's uncomfortable at first because maybe some people were wrong, maybe everybody was wrong, but I do believe that truth will unveil in more people. Of course, some people are going to hold on to the belief that they had originally, but more people are going to be open to truth and whatever it takes to save humanity, whether that's on a micro level, an individual level, or even a macro level. So yeah, that's genuinely from a very blind, optimistic perspective that I know nothing about. <laughs> my opinion, my hope, and I also say this because words are so powerful and I want to manifest that into everyone's reality. And I think it's important to that there are some, even though there's there's more and more realists out there, so we need some blind optimists like myself that think that things are going to get better. But I do consciously make sure to make choices when it comes to saving the earth and saving other humans. I do consciously make choices for humanity and for Mama Earth because I love, I love humans and I love Earth and I hope that you do the same as well. 
Anyway, with all of that being said, I hope that you have a magical rest of your week and I'll be chatting with a special guest next week that I'm excited for you to hear. And please go ground yourself, go earth, get those bare feet on that grass, on that dirt. Love you. Jaima. Yomis, that is a wrap. That is a wrap for this episode. I hope that something spoke deeply to you, expanded you in some way. Please let me know if so. You can catch me on Instagram at Raquel Mantra. I spell Raquel a different way than most, so you can see the spelling in the show notes. Or hang out with the Yomis, the like-minded, very conscious and expansive and helpful souls on the Euro Magic Facebook group especially a place to turn to when it comes to, well, whatever you're going through. And there are several tools on the euromagic.life membership site. All right, well, thank you so, so much and have a magical rest of your day.